Welcome to the Life in the Red podcast presented by the Lincoln Journal Star, your source for Husker news, analysis, and more. From football in the fall to recruiting in the summer, we've got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Bassnett, Parker Gabriel, and Stephen M. Sipple. Three, two, one. Welcome in, Life in the Red podcast. I'm Chris, there's Steve, there's Parker. We continue from our remote locations here on uh, Thursday, November 4th. 2021 it's 3 18 p.m thank you we are coming thank you're you welcome we are, thank you you're welcome you're welcome we're you are i was one extra thank you in there i think we're coming to you live <laughs> two days before nebraska hosts ohio state 11 a.m kick at memorial stadium nebraska three and six buckeyes of course ranked uh fifth in the college football uh playoff ranking seven and one rolling um had a close one last week against penn state we all, we all know the history of this matchup. The past six years or so, say for the one game Adrian Martinez's freshman year uh, that Nebraska led at halftime. So let's just get right into it. Let's talk Ohio State. What are we expecting to see Saturday? And and what do you think, what do you guys think needs to happen to keep Memorial Stadium from emptying out before the end of the day? Oh, I mean, here's the thing with Ohio State. I don't know. I don't want to do a total breakdown, but the things that make an impression on me are I watched them against Indiana and they dismantled Indiana. And I thought um, this is a typical Ohio state team. I mean, they're a typical college football playoff team that probably will be in the college football playoff. That was Indiana the night. They, I mean, I think they won 56 to 14. Hold on. I got it right here. 54 to seven. And I was I was really taken by them. Now, since then, um, they played Penn State, and it, they didn't win resoundingly. Um, there's, I mean, I think concerns came out of that game in, for Buckeye fans. Ohio and, State played re- – offensive line played really bad. Yeah, seven false start penalties. And since home, then yeah. – yeah, the only other thing I'd add at this point before you guys start in – is like you talk to their writers. I talked to Rob Aller, their columnist at the Columbus Dispatch, and he doesn't sound that impressed. I mean, he thinks he thinks this will be a game uh, Saturday. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, especially. I mean, I think the thing about Ohio State, especially if you look at their offense, and so defensively, they change play callers after a couple of games. That they have some young players on defense, which you heard a couple of. Like I think Mike Dawson said. Uh, this week, you know, young players at this point, you got eight or nine games under your belt. You are essentially no longer a freshman or, you know, inexperienced. So they're, they're working some young people in on, on defense. Offensively, though, they're really balanced. That's the thing that jumps out about about Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. So for it's interesting, like, so Joey Kaufman, who I think both Baz and I communicated this week to beat writer at the Columbus Dispatch, he, he sort of echoed, I guess, the sentiments of like, yeah, it hasn't been perfect. Maybe, you know, Nebraska can can maybe give them a game and all of that. And then you look at the numbers and Ohio State's averaging 1.4 yards per play more than anybody else in the Big Ten. They're number two nationally, over eight yards a play. Uh, C.J. Stroud's thrown 15 touchdowns and no interceptions over the last four games since he got back in the starting lineup. Um, you know, they're ba- they got three NFL receivers in their starting lineup uh, with Alave Wilson and, and Jackson Smith-Ajiba. Um, a tight end who's going to play in the NFL on Ruckert and a freshman running back who, you know, if Kenneth Walker is the best in the big 10 uh, for Michigan state, Travion Henderson from Ohio state might be right behind. So you're not, 
you're not um, you're not stretching it to say that they're elite at every uh, you know skill position, backfield position. And then up until last week, you would have said that they had maybe the best offensive line in the Big Ten too. So it's a big you know they're really talented, obviously, especially on offense. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back from only scoring 33 points against the number five overall defense in the country last week in Penn State. Yeah. One of those was a scoop and score though, seven. And then they got a, they got put on the 28 yard line by a, I think Baz said it was an interception. So they got 10 from the defense basically. Yeah. They're, they're, they're very interesting to me because they, they absolutely destroy like overmatched teams. Like, but you look at the, yeah. You look at the better teams they played, and Minnesota pushed them hard uh, mm-hmm. until Ibrahim went down. Obviously, Penn State pushed them pretty hard. Oregon forced Speedman Columbus. Even Tulsa, that game was not uh, – it was a three-score game, but it was not a blowout by any means until – That was seven points at the early in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, you look at the best teams on Ohio State's schedule, and it's not like the Buckeyes have just kind of run away and hid from. So, you can see why – People, some people think Nebraska's going to keep this interesting. I think so. Here I got. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I got go a ahead. hoops analogy. I got a hoops analogy. Okay. Um, a good hoops analogy. See what you think. Well, I was. This is not my mind. I was told this by a coach. Ohio State is like a basketball team that can slap full court pressure on, and the they they will slap full court pressure on, and the like you were saying, the. The struggling programs, the bad teams, they can't break it. The good yeah. teams, they can't. They can. They know how to make one or two passes and break, beat the press, and then it's on. Then the, then yeah. the game. And the question is: Is Nebraska capable of beating the press? Yeah. You know? No, I think that's a great analogy. I think that's perfect because, a, I think Nebraska has the capability to beat the press. Right? Like they're 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 a big play offense. They can take the top off. They've got an athletic quarterback, but. They've also got an offense that will give it to the other team, and we saw it happening last week against Purdue. Um, the, the offensive line is, has gotten better, but it's you wouldn't say they're world beaters by any means. So you can kind of see it both ways. Like Nebraska certainly has that capability, but you got to go out and do it. you got to go out and be the state for you to do it. Parker, continue the analogy. I know, what you're, I know what you're thinking. I know what's going on through Parker's mind right now. Is Nebraska's point guard hurt? Is he, is he capable is, – does Nebraska have the point guard – to break the press, Adrian. Yeah. And is, is the point guard's ankle okay? Is he healthy? Yeah, well, that's that's true. I mean, I think the main thing is just if you want to let's let's keep the analogy of a of a, a, a full court press. I mean, you can't turn the ball over. You know, you can't give out you can't give up the easy run out. Uh, you can't give up the easy run out. I mean, you can't. Okay, yeah, they got a scoop and score and 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 you know three points off a turnover at the twenty eight. The defense, Baz had the stats great. They scored six t- touchdowns defensively this year. Yeah, so that's a big number. It's that's not a, a big fluke. Number. It's not a fluke. It's something that no. they've done. Uh, they've got good athletes that and they've done. It's interesting uh, listening to people this week. I mean, they, they've essentially they're not. There's some defenses that you'll go against that are big play defenses. They, they're going to take a lot of risk and they're going to try to make big plays. And Ohio State, if they were that way at the beginning of the year, they're less so now since they've changed play caller. You know, they're, they're going to play. They're going to, you know, they're going to play safe. They're going to keep things in front of them because they know they've got the offense to go put points on the board. 
and why risk giving up a bunch of easy stuff over the top? And so I, it's, you've got to make your own luck. Obviously you've got to make your own breaks that that includes, you just have to have good quarterback play um, if you're going to beat them. But, but I guess the, what, where my mind actually was going simple was, yeah, you can, if you can beat the press, you can play with them, but you also, you have to beat the press and then play at your own speed. You know, you see teams, teams that are athletic and can play full court in basketball, they'll run somebody off the floor if somebody tries to beat them at their own game, if you're good at yes. it. Yeah. So yeah. Nebraska has to be able to handle the, the pressure and then also play at its own speed and play the game at the pace that it wants to Oh, good points. Good let's points. just make this one. Let's just keep the basketball analogy going. Yeah. And see how Seriously. like involved we can make it. <laughs> so anyway, well, when they go into horns personnel, you know, the yeah. set. Are you gonna <laughs> look what kind of what are we doing late in the shot clock on the baseline out of bounds? Is what I want to know. <laughs> sort of a sort draw. of like a triangle. It's like a triangle derivative when they run the bubble. Yeah. Well, our, our, it, it this kind of leads us into our next topic, and you already kind of touched on it, Parker. It's it's Adrian, right? Like he's got to be, he's got to be great. He's probably going to be the best he's been all year, and we don't know what his health status is. We've we've seen the boom and the bust. We've seen the boom and the bust against Ohio State, Adrian, um, uh, the past three three four years. So, I guess just just from that point of view, you we we've seen that teams can play with. Ohio State, they're they're not invincible. They're not this monolith, but and we've seen Nebraska can, can score points, can make big plays. How how important is Adrian to what what's going to happen Saturday as far as Nebraska? Oh my God, Adrian! That's the whole conversation about Adrian all the time. He's yeah, all about him. I mean, they've I I believe they've made the offense too much about him. Yeah, uh, and I mean that's what my contention has been for I'd say two plus years. Got to put more around him. Can't be so much about it. He can't, he can't rely so much on Adrian in the run game. You saw against Minnesota what Nebraska's offense looks like when he can't run. They ran two design quarterback run plays. They just don't have much else to go to. Um, kind of the same against Purdue, although, come on, I mean, that conversation's all about Adrian throwing four picks. And yeah. why, why did he even get the opportunity to throw four picks? That's what the mm-hmm. conversation's about. But, yeah, Baskin, what the hell? It's, it's, it's always about Adrian. Yeah. I mean, that they've they've made it that way, and I think I'm always in that camp that they've made it too much about him and put too much on his shoulders, and maybe that's one reason he wears down and gets hurt so much. Just saying, just saying. Just I saying. agree with I'm, a lot of that. Yeah. No, I agree with a lot of that. Sip. It it is all about him. Like we all know that. Like I I, I knew as I was asking the question what the answer was going to be because yeah. like we all know it's all about him. It, it, every everything that happens Saturday is going to fall on his shoulders. And yeah, what is, is that? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. See what we're saying. No. Is we oh yeah. Some people Baz are going to say sorry to interrupt. Some no. people are going to say, oh come on man, it's always about the quarterback. We're talking about a matter of degrees here. In some yeah. places, it's not as much about the quarterback because there's yeah. other. Because it, is it all about C.J. Stroud at Ohio State? No, it's no. not. Yeah. It's not. Is it all about Tanner Morgan at Minnesota? Oh, no, not at all. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Good point. Those are great examples. Thanks. Go ahead, Parker. Yeah. So Adrian had 200 yard rushing games in Nebraska's first three outings this year, had 111 against Illinois, 112 against Buffalo, 
And then even after that, you know, he made some plays with his legs, kept some plays alive, scrambling against Oklahoma, uh, had 72 yards against Michigan State, 50 yards against Northwestern. But over the last three weeks, it's really, you know, he got hurt against against uh, Michigan State and then obviously didn't have to do a lot against Northwestern because they blew out the Wildcats. But, mm-hmm. you know, eight carries for 38 against Michigan, 20 of that came on one scramble. Eight for seven, eight for negative 17 against Michigan with sack yardage, 10 for 18 last week against Purdue. I mean, the rushing production from the quarterback spots really trailed off. And and looking at, you know, scrambling wise, he's only he's only taken off in passing situations three times in the last two weeks. So that's really that's really sort of tailed off. Part of that's because teams uh, have recognized that they have to keep him in the pocket and they've gone to, in some cases, extremes to keep him from being able to get out. But the other thing is his health has deteriorated some over the course of the year for exactly the reason simple said, I mean, they they just rely on him a lot. So for me, the, the, the question is how much can they get out of him in the run game? And I don't mean, yeah, I'm not saying he needs to carry it 25 times, probably not smart, but he's got to be a factor and he's got, it's got to be Ohio state's got to, they've got to make Ohio state respect what he does in the run game because the option stuff. I mean, that's generated a lot of production for Nebraska this year in the run game has been the counter work, the speed option stuff, the misdirection, um, you know, being able to put a player and two players, a dive man and a a pitch read uh, in a bind and use space to create yards. And so I, you know, if they can't do that against Ohio State or, or if Adrian's limited in that regard, it's going to be really hard to just line up and slam it between the tackles with Ramir Johnson and expect that to work um, and be enough. But if, you know, if they can kind of have their run game, you know, Adrian doesn't have to run for 100 yards, but if, it, if they can be productive with that and show the wrinkles and do all of the different things that they've shown at times over the course of the year, they're capable of hitting um, – that just opens up so much in the passing game and it makes Nebraska the balanced offense that can be mindful of the clock and move the ball and be a little bit more effective. And so that, that, I mean, recipe sounds simple. um, But like always, it's really, really reliant on Adrian being healthy, fast, explosive, and making good decisions, you know, 99% of the time uh, over the course of a game. Playing off that, what what needs to happen Saturday to, to keep butts in the seats until the fourth quarter? We've seen it the last two years here, 38 nothing at halftime, 35 nothing at halftime. Well, place clears out, you know, third quarter. What needs to happen, <clears throat> excuse me, what needs to happen Saturday to keep fans at least interested enough to, to stick around in the fourth quarter into the end of the game? I'd like to think that if the score is, you know, if, if Nebraska is down 11 with 10 minutes to go, that that would keep them in there, unlike last week. You know, yeah. the, the opponent's different, but Purdue led 38 to 20. What the hell was the score? 28 to 17. Um, 28 to 17 with 10 minutes left, and that was the mass exodus. If that's the score, if it's, let's say it's 38 to 27, it seems like it'd be more likely to be something like that. You would think that would keep people around, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would, would think th- so. I would think so. I think over the... I think over the first so over the first 45 minutes, over the first three quarters. I mean, I think Nebraska needs to have the ball for 25 of them. Um, okay. you know, and, and that would 
you know, Frost said it today. You know, we talked to Frost uh, earlier here on Thursday after practice, and one of the things that they did really well uh, against Oklahoma in that in that game was they controlled the pace of it. You know, they had I think they only had three possessions in the first half. Um, part of the reason it was I think it was ten seven at halftime was because Oklahoma just didn't have that many opportunities with the ball to go score. So that's the you know I don't. I'm not advocating for Nebraska to play a total, like take the air out of the game and just try to, you know, there's teams that have done that before. Hey, we're just going to try to keep it close. I I don't think it's about that because you've got to go in with an aggressive mindset and say, Hey, we're going to take, you know, what we can get here, but it's really important. You know, it's like both Minnesota and Purdue, the last two games have just dominated Nebraska in the game management clock management department. Um, and then you're chasing and all of that. It cannot happen. I mean, Nebraska has yeah. got to be in control of the clock from the outset. If they do that, they're likely, you know, more likely to be in the game in the second half, which would keep people around. Pass. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think Parker nailed it. I was going to say the exact same thing. It's got to be the Oklahoma game all over again. It has to be, you know, they, they, and yeah. it, if, if you, if it's, you know, 14, 10 at halftime, then you can bet Nebraska's going to take that. Or even if it's 21, you know, 14 or 21, 13 at halftime, you're, you're absolutely taking that compared to what you've been at the last, the last couple of years uh, in Memorial Stadium. So yeah, it's, 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 it's like Parker says, you're not taking the, if this isn't Nebraska at USC back in the Bill Callahan era, era when we're just trying to get the game over as quick as possible, but you, you have to, you have to find a way to control the clock like you did at Oklahoma. That's easier said than done. Um, but you've got the defense you would think to, to at least slow Ohio State down and scan your offense, execute enough, and put together enough long drives to, to keep that other offense off the field. So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's absolutely the plan. It's exactly and here, here, here's one other thing just to, to put into that conversation. Obviously, we're at, we're at this sort of probably bridges into the next phase of this conversation, but even though the season feels a lot different than it did uh, a month ago with that when, when Michigan was at Memorial Stadium – you, you can guarantee that if it's a one-score game, you know, end of the third quarter, into the fourth, even though there's a lot of people that are going to have some skepticism about whether Nebraska can actually get it over the hump for the first time this year, win a really big game for the first time in Frost's tenure, you better believe that place will be juiced if it's if it's a ball. Oh, game. yeah. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, no. Oh, God, yeah. You know, yeah, people will feel it. People will sense the opportunity uh, if it's there that the issue for Nebraska against Ohio state in recent years has just been getting it, you know, past the early third quarter uh, where you're still right in the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that brings us, I think to a good spot to talk about the hot topic, which is the elephant in the room. Um, the, the question is this, will we hear anything on Scott Frost's job status by the end of the season. And Parker just mentioned it, getting over the hump. Nebraska hasn't done it. They're playing Ohio State, this, that, and the other. There's been a lot of talk. Scott's addressed it a couple times this week already, just the outside stuff. So I'll, I'll open it up to you guys, and I think we might have some differing opinions here. Will we hear anything on Scott Frost's job status by the end, by the Parker end of the season? Has str- Parker has the strongest feelings on this. Go ahead, Parker. I think, you know – we heard uh, Ted Carter, the university system president yesterday say that they haven't made a decision yet. I guess this is what I think about it. If they've already made a decision, like somewhere 
in the brain trust, if they've already made the decision to bring Scott back, which is no guarantee, obviously, we don't know uh, if they've made a decision either way. But I think if they've made a decision that they're going to bring him back, I think there's a chance they would announce that during the, the bye week. So I guess my answer is that, yeah, I think we could. I don't think it's a guarantee, uh, but I think we could. And this is why. I mean, you heard, like, Matt Wells, the Texas Tech coach that was fired, part of the reason they fired him before the end of the year was they didn't want to give him the opportunity to win any games down the stretch that would sort of bolster his case for coming back. To me, this is sort of the opposite. Like if you're, if Trev Alberts and the brain trust decides to bring Scott back for the 2022 season, it is not going to be based purely on a wins and losses standpoint. It's not at this point, like what you're talking about is what they see the arc of the program being because the wins and losses, obviously, you know, that deck is stacked against God. And as much as like three wins obviously would, would change those fortunes a little bit uh, and, and substantially as it pertains to this year. But I think it's really, if you, if they believe that this is going to turn around and it's going to turn around either down the stretch this year or next year, I think the bye week is a good time to announce that because you take out of the realm of possibility having to try to explain bringing them back if they lose against Wisconsin and Iowa. In other words, you get the news out of the way. You explain why you believe in him for 2022. Hopefully that frees the kids up and then they can go play their asses off. But if you're looking at it from the other side of the coin, you don't, you take out of the equation, the possibility that you've got to stand up there after a three and nine season and explain why you, you decided to bring him back. So I, well, I think – if they bring him back, I think that I think if they're bringing him back and they know it already, I think they'll announce it uh, sometime after the event. So if you're Trev Alberts, what you're hoping for is a close game, a win. I mean, you're hoping for a win, but but, yeah. but but at least a close game. And then, I mean, you didn't mention the recruiting element, but I think that's a sizable part of it. Um, then you then you announce early in the week that guys go out on the, the coaches go out on the bye week and recruit. Um, knowing that at least they have a job into next year and they can say that to people. I think that's really important. Now, there is precedence that um, a, that, that didn't happen in 2013. If you guys, now Parker, you were not here, obviously. Um, Baz was around, kind of, right, Baz? I was around, yeah. I was yeah. vaguely aware of my surroundings. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they took, Sean Eichhorst took Bo Pelini, the, the Bo Pelini decision in 2013, right through the season, he announced it right after the season. It was on a, I think it was on Saturday. It was on a Saturday after the, after the final game. So, I mean, that was, but it was really awkward for everybody. Um, but so they don't have to do it now. The other thing about this is if they don't announce anything next week. And it's silence. What does that do, Maz? What is that? What is that? Does it suggest anything? What, what is yeah, that? It, well, it just stirs up even more, more talk, right? And more, more rumor mongering, whatever else you want to call it, which I kind of, that kind of plays into my answer. I, I say no. And okay, why? you guys have, you guys have laid out a very good case why it will happen will happen. And you've, you're going to make me sound very stupid, which wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But I, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, Trevor Alberts doesn't seem like the type of athletic director that's going to 
make that announcement before the end of the season, unless, unless they, they are bringing him back and unless they've already made that decision. And, and it, you know, from all accounts, Trev Alberts wants this to work with Scott Frost. And, and he's, he's said as much, essentially. They, they, he wants to support Scott Frost and, and give him what he needs to succeed and everything else. But it just doesn't, you know, I think, I just think back to even when Trev was hired, how close to the best that was played and, and how it, it kind of all happened very quickly. When, when yeah. he was oh, it did. And, You're right. You know, and so I think, I think a little bit of that's at play and, and I'm not saying, you know, they're going to get to the Saturday after the Iowa game and announce that Scott Frost has been fired and announce a new head coach. I'm not saying anything like that, but I, I just, I don't think unless, unless it's an ironclad, stone cold lock that they've they know they're bringing him back they told scott frost that i just don't see it happening before the end of the season but i do see it happening relatively quickly after the iowa game. One, one thing i think we can all agree on i mean it would take a lot for them to decide to fire scott and announce it before the year ends yeah i mean yeah they could maybe maybe you know trev in his heart of hearts at some point between now and november 26 comes to that decision himself but I don't think I'd be shocked if, if, I mean, weird things happen all the time, but I'd be shocked if anything, if, if, if Ross was going to get fired, I'll be shocked if it happens before the Iowa game. Guarantee Scott Frost fire right after the Ohio state game. Now, Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be going to right, bed well, late and getting up early. I mean, you know, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Oh God. That's that time of year. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about something a little more positive uh, to wrap up the football talk here. Nuri, Newelli was put on scholarship today. Uh, awesome news for a really cool dude, an engaging guy, uh, foreign exchange student, played at Norris High School his senior year, went out to Colorado State, started seven games as a freshman, came back here, got inserted in the lineup and magic, and all of a sudden, rest offensive line got better. So uh, I think a very deserving scholarship for a guy that, if you talk to him, just just one of the neatest dudes, most engaging dudes you could ever want to meet. Knows four languages. He was telling us about that up in the hallway the other day on Monday in Memorial Stadium. Just he he loves being around people. He loves the game and, and got rewarded for his performance today. Yeah, I was talking to him in Arabic the other day. Uh, yeah, you yeah. were. Yeah, yeah you you're were. fluent. You're yeah. fluent. Yeah. <laughs> he might have been speaking Arabic. You were just. Yeah. <laughs> I, I speak French a lot, as in pardon my French, but. <laughs> That's really good, Baz. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Parlez-vous français? Yeah. Something yeah, that's like great that. news. That is great news. And Miles Farmer got a black shirt, too. So there yeah. was. And Miles Farmer got a black shirt. All right. And Chase Contreras is starting at kicker again this weekend. And Chase Contreras is starting. It was a newsy seven minutes with Scott. <laughs> it was. Uh, should we give some game predictions real quick? I just realized we haven't Let's done Let's do that. it. Yeah, you guys right, go, I'll go first. I'll go first. I don't know. Ohio State's going to win. I is it the is it the total blowout we've seen in the past? Maybe not, but I just I don't see Nebraska being able to play mistake free enough on offense to to execute what we talked about. You know the ball control and 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 limiting the possessions and things like that. So I think Ohio State wins forty two to seventeen. So all right, there you go. Forty two seventeen. Baz Parker. Yeah, I uh, I picked it. I mean, similar. I picked it actually very similar to Baz. 41 to 20. Um, I think Nebraska will, at this point, we're, we're pretty good and well beyond the sort of like moral victory phase of things. This is what I would say. I think Nebraska is going to play hard. 
I think it's going to, there's going to be a stretch of the game that I think will be competitive. I, maybe it won't be right at the beginning. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle. Maybe it's right from the outset. But Ohio State just has the ability to make competitive games look non-competitive on the scoreboard really quickly. And I think they'll, I think it, they'll meet some resistance from Nebraska, but I do think that they'll end up covering a two touchdown spread. So yeah, 41 to 20. 41-20. So, so what do we got so far? Say it again. 41-20 and then Basley one more time. 42-17. Yes. What, what am I going to do here? Um, you know, it's not like I've thought about a score all that much. I mean, I do think the 11 a.m. kickoff is a factor. Kind of if you're Nebraska, I hope you catch Ohio State sleepwalking a little bit early, just which, which teams do sometimes. Um. I think it'll be similar to the Penn State game. I, I think Nebraska will hang, hang in there pretty well. I'll say 38, 38 Ohio State, 21 Nebraska. 38-21. I'm going to give Nebraska's defense some respect there. All right. I have disrespected Nebraska's defense and Steve You're Sipple's eyes. You're picking him to score I've, four more points than Sipple did. <laughs> yeah, I've blatantly disrespected the black shirts. The blatant disrespect for picking 40 instead of 38. You are a detriment uh, to the to the athletic department. Wow. 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 Okay. Let's, uh, let's talk some hoops and get out of here real quick. Um, season opener is Tuesday, five days away. I'm actually writing some season preview stuff today, getting that all finished up. That'll be in your newspaper on Sunday. Uh, Nebraska opens against Western Illinois, November 9th. Pretty, I think, highly anticipated opener, especially the way the two exhibition games went, and certainly the way the exhibition game against Colorado went uh, last week on Halloween, uh, with Nebraska leading that game 33 to 11, 10 minutes into the game, uh, essentially. So it's, I'm, I grow more fascinated by this season by the day. I, th- I think Nebraska's got a shot to really, really take a big step this year. I've seen some kind of some national type analysts come out and call Nebraska a surprise team this year, a team that could contend for a, an NCAA tournament berth. And look, like I've said before, that that means Nebraska just has to get to seven, eight, nine, ten in the conference. And, and I think they're certainly capable with this team. So, yeah, it's a very, very interesting season coming up. And we get underway Tuesday. Hey, so set, you're saying seven and 13, eight and 12. In the league, yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, so with, what's up, Parker? Uh, you know, the I mean that Nebraska plays Creighton in twelve days. I know it's oh, insane. Less than that's two insane. weeks away, isn't that crazy? It's insane. It's on a. That's good. That'll be a. It's a night game. I think it's on a Friday night. Maybe it's on a Saturday. Tuesday night. A Tuesday night. Good. You've got the schedule pulled up. I don't. I do. So, but yeah, no, it's and Creighton's rebuilding. That's an early chance to build momentum. Uh, for, that's the thing with the way this schedule set up for Nebraska. They can really build some early momentum in the non-conference. You, you're going to catch Creighton early, which you'd rather catch him in November than in December when you normally play, uh, certainly. And you're going to have a chance for a couple really nice wins. You know, uh, Auburn on a neutral court at NC State. You get K-State at home. There, there's some potential there for Nebraska to really, really kind of set itself up for conference play. They get Michigan and Indiana for their two early conference games uh, and Michigan ain't, ain't going to be no party. That's for sure. And Indiana is going to look a lot different under Mike Woodson, but yeah, there's a chance for Nebraska this first month to really build momentum and, and kind of get something going downhill heading into December and January. So you're doing a, I mean, you're working on a special section for the hoops team that's coming out when it'll be in the Sunday newspaper. Um, 
believe that's November, what do you say, the 4th? So Friday the 5th, Saturday the 6th, Sunday the 7th. We'll that, the, that's the way that works. That's, the way that, that's works. the way that works. Yeah, that's how math works. It'll be in the Sunday paper. We'll uh, we'll have rundowns of the roster, both the men's and the women's roster. Brent Wagner uh, handling the women's side of things. We're, uh, we're talking, we'll have some reasons to, to fill up PBA, reasons you should come watch these teams. And we'll, uh, we'll have some cool little stories just talking to fans, being able to be back in the building for the first time uh, since the 1920 season. Uh, talked to three folks myself and got some got some really great stories out of it. So it'll be it'll be fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing how it turns out. And, and yeah, we'll have one for you Sunday. I've, I've heard Amy's got a pretty good team, too. Amy Williams, the women's coach. Oh, hey, oh that's who you're talking about, Amy yeah. Williams. Oh, 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 Amy. I've heard there's a talent escalation in her program that bears watching as well. They, there might be two pretty good teams over at PBA this year. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. Um, yeah. All right, let's get out of here. We do want to we do want to say this before we go. Uh, the new Hux, Husker Extra app is live uh, in the App Store for your iPhone, for your for your Android device. Go download it or update it if you already have it on your phone. You'll be able to get all the Husker Extra content we're we're pushing out on a daily basis. All the videos uh, featuring Parker and Sipple, the Sip and Sam podcast. My best showdown, the showdown, the showdown, the sip and sit, the sip and Sam showdown. You can, you can set it up to organize it by sport. You can, it's a really cool looking situation. Uh, it just launched today. So yeah, go download it or get your app updated in the app store. Hey, Baz, you can listen to this very podcast in the Husker. That's right. You can listen Baz, to the podcast. In the- if this sports writing thing doesn't work out, that, that was a pretty good sales pitch. You could, you, you could probably be a pretty good salesman. No, I'd be, I'd be a tail, terrible sales. Why do you say that? I hate people. I hate talking to people. I hate dealing with people in a sales setting. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I could see you selling sprinklers and stuff like that. Uh, I'd like to, you know what? I'd like to install sprinklers. That sounds like great. Get my hands dirty. Take some lines. Run a ditch witch. You should work a tower crane. Maybe I'll work a tower crane. Maybe I'll go join that crew. That was awesome. I about walked over there and applied the other day. We were over at Memorial Stadium. Just walked onto the job site with no PPE and, and tried to apply for a job on the tower crane. So, yeah, hey, can I work work? on this crane? <laughs> start climbing up. Just start yeah. climbing up the ladder. Hey, fellas. What's up, guys? I get about 10 feet up, but it said that probably wasn't for me, I'm guessing. So, you guys could handle you guys could handle that. Yeah, probably. I'm young and virile, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what? I said, young, I, said I'm, I said I'm young and virile. The virility is high in this corner of the world. Striking. Seems like striking. Seems like a lot of information. Seems like a good place to stop this podcast, too. <laughs> We're going to wrap it up. Thanks for watching, guys. We'll talk to you next week.